you can also follow along on your phone or yeah we'll, we'll hear God's word together so this is Daniel chapter 6 it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, 
and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs great signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, thank you Liz. As we heard there, our God endures forever and his kingdom will never end. And to try and take that idea and press it into our hearts, we're going to sing another song. Good morning. Um, My name's Neil. If you don't know who I am, if you've not seen me before, and, and I'm a lay reader in the church. And I've got the honour of talking to you about that very familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den. And there is so much in that story. So I hope you've got a long time to sit and listen because I've got to unpack it. It took a long while to read. But before I start, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you to hear your word. Take these words of mine and use them as you will to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Permacrisis, that's a word describing an extended period of instability and um, insecurity, has been chosen as Collins Dictionary's word of the year for 2022. And in these uncertain times, Daniel raises a question. Do we trust that God is in charge? At the time of the incident described in chapter 6 
of Daniel. Daniel had been in enforced exile from, for more than 60 years. He was living in the largest city in the known world, a place with people from many different nations and with several different gods. And now in his early 80s, a new invading power had overthrown the empire that had destroyed Jerusalem. His situation as an administrator had always been uncertain, but he had consistently remained faithful to God and trusted that God was in control and had a plan and a time for that plan. Immediately after its capture, Cyrus, the king of Persia, appointed a ruler over Babylon. Ancient documents show that the man we know as Cyrus the Mede, sorry, Darius the Mede, had the power to make appointments to administrators, to assemble an army, to levy taxes, to possess palaces. He was, in a very real sense, the king of Babylon. Daniel was one of the three leading, for want of a better word, civil servants, administrators, administrators appointed directly under Darius. And his job was to make sure that the king of Persia didn't lose anything, didn't lose out. Now, Daniel had such a good attitude and was so trustworthy that Darius decided that he was going to promote him. And the fact that Darius was going to promote Daniel made him an object of attack. The other two administrators in this threesome didn't like it, so they began to plot to remove Daniel. They wanted him out of the way. However, he was such a faithful man that they couldn't find a flaw in his actions or in his character. I want you to imagine today, just think about today, looking as hard as you can at, the pub, at a public servant or politician who's been in office for more than 50 years and finding nothing wrong. No fraudulent expense accounts, no intern scandals, no questionable business deals, no gifts from lobbyists, and no accusations from his staff. Daniel was a man of great integrity and was especially blameless in the conduct of his professional life. There were no skeletons in his closet. Now these conspirators knew that Daniel couldn't be trapped 
into wrongdoing. And they also knew that he was faithful to his God in every circumstance. God had given Daniel certain talents which he consistently used to the best of his ability for more than 60 years. Daniel's conduct and character had reflected his faith in God. I wonder, can we say the same about us? When we consider Daniel's integrity of faith, how do our attitudes and our compromises compare? People may not necessarily understand the details of the doctrines we believe in, or the personal nature of our reverence and adoration of God. But they can tell when we have too high opinion of ourselves or when we're self-serving. They do recognize when we're prone to respond to difficulties with a bad temper. They can spot dishonesty and hypocrisy when they see it. And our colleagues at work know when we're backsliding and our performance is not as good as it should be. Alexander McLaren said, the world is a very poor critic of my Christianity, but is a very sufficient one of my conduct. God has given each one of us unique talents and placed us where he wants us to be. The way we use those talents, wherever we are, and especially in our work, and, and how we conduct ourselves in our workplace, is an important part of our worship. It's a vital part of our worship. Does our conduct each day reflect the attitude of the God we say we follow? We can't expect people to accept what we say we believe in unless we walk the talk and show what we mean by consistently behaving in ways which demonstrate our Christian beliefs. Daniel's testimony was given by Darius in verse 16 when he said to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually. Many of us occasionally display Christian characteristics and wisdom, but then counteract the good by being bad. Daniel's testimony was one of continual, consistent service. The two conspirators said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel, excuse me, unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So because they knew Daniel, they knew that he could be relied on, they came up 
with this plan. The idea was to pass a law. <clears throat> For 30 days, anyone who petitioned or made supplications to any god or man except for the king, would be thrown to the lions. <clears throat> and Daniel's enemies also knew. They knew Darius. And they knew that they could appeal to his desire to exert authority and maintain control over this newly conquered territory which had so many different cultures within it. In his commentary on the book of Daniel, <clears throat> Gleason Archer wrote, <coughs> the suggested mode, I'm very sorry about this. <clears throat> I'm struggling a bit. The suggested mode of compelling every subject in the former Babylonian domain to acknowledge the authority of Persia seemed a statesmanlike measure that would contribute to unifying the territory. The time limit of one month seemed reasonable. And Daniel's enemies also knew that unfortunately people can be persuaded to do things they wouldn't normally do if they thought everyone else approved of that thing. So they lied to Darius. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counsellors and advisors have consulted together, Darius, and we've come up with this plan. Daniel was one of the governors, and he hadn't being consulted. Now, there's a vital point that they had to convince Darius to sign the decree. Unlike the Babylonian Empire, where decrees were made and changed at the whim of the king, it was an established principle in the Medo-Persian Empire Though when a king formally signed a decree, it couldn't be changed, not even by the king. Even in those days, U-turns in government were seen as a sign of weakness and a lack of wisdom. Now, when Daniel discovered that the decree had been signed, he was faced with a test of loyalty. He was a loyal subject, thank you, he was a loyal subject to the new ruler of Babylon, but he knew that the king of kings deserved a higher loyalty. When it seems that people have the power to hire or fire us, to make our lives difficult, to break our hearts, to slander us. We have a self-preservation tendency to want to please them. However, the strength to obey God and stand for him, regardless of the consequences, only comes from a settled understanding 
that God is really in control. God has a plan. As Christians, there will be times, because of our faith, when we find ourselves in the minority. When people will attack us and will call us narrow-minded or fanatical, they'll mock us because we won't do what they do. In those situations, do we have the strength to remain secure in our faith and make a stand for our Lord? Daniel didn't let the decree change what he did. Throughout his life, even though Israel, sorry, even though Jerusalem had been destroyed and the temple had been destroyed, throughout his life, he found time to focus on communion with God in prayer. And he did it three times a day. In the busyness of our daily life, do we put aside time to pray privately with God? And as I said, even though the temple had been destroyed, Daniel prayed towards Jerusalem. And he was following the scriptures. Because at the dedication of the temple, Solomon had prayed to God. He used these words. May you hear the supplications of your servants and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Now Jews normally pray standing up. But Daniel knelt just as Solomon had done at the dedication of the temple. Kneeling is a begging posture. And in his prayers, as well as giving thanks to God, Daniel was pleading for God's will to be done. Of course, Daniel's enemies found him praying. The trap had been sprung. But unfortunately, they'd also caught Darius in the trap. However, instead of blaming others, Darius knew that he was at fault. And no matter how he tried, he couldn't undo what he had already agreed to. And like Darius, our foolish decisions can sometimes haunt us. Often all we can do is pray and ask God to mercifully and miraculously intervene and put right our foolish decision. (laughs) Darius said to Daniel, again from verse 16, May your God whom you serve continually, rescue you. In effect, I've tried my best, Daniel, but I've failed. Now it's up to God. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And the king sealed it with a large stone. Who else have you heard about who was sealed in a tomb? by a large stone. 
After a sleepless night at first light, Darius went to the den. And when he heard Daniel's voice, he knew that he had survived. He had Daniel pulled up out of the den and Daniel told him that the lions would not or could not touch this servant of God because God had sent his angels to shut their mouths. Now it's important that we understand that that Daniel wasn't preserved because his cause was righteous and he'd been unjustly accused. Daniel was preserved through his faith in God, his constant, living, abiding faith in God, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Whatever he faced, he trusted that God was in control of the situation and had a plan and a time for that plan. Overjoyed to see that Daniel had been preserved, Darius did two things. Being a ruler, he stuck to the draconian Persian law and he had the two guilty conspirators along with their immediate families thrown to the lions and the lions overpowered them, which proved that there was no natural reason for the lions not to eat Daniel. It had to be an act of God. And then King Darius wrote to all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that everyone throughout my kingdom must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He delivers and rescues his people, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Now the obvious point of the story is, If we stand firm in our faith and honour God, even when it costs us something, others will see our testimony and come to give honour to God. But perhaps there's a greater blessing as we see the story unfold. And that is that it points to Jesus Christ. Consider this. A man without blame, faithful to God in all his ways, a man noted for prayer, was sent to his death because of the jealousy of those who wanted to prevent his exaltation. He was contemned to death by the plotting of his enemies and the law of the land and thrown into a stone room meant to be his tomb. A stone was rolled over the opening, but all its power and ferocity, death couldn't touch him. On a morning, the stone was rolled away. He came out victoriously. He glorified God. 
The pagans gave honour to God and his enemies were judged. That is a good news story. The story of both Daniel and more importantly, the story of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and our Lord. Will we serve him continuously? Will we, in these difficult times, trust in him? He has a plan and a time. I want to finish by asking you to join with me, if you will, if you want to, you don't have to, in saying these prayers, that the words will appear on the screen. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing me with a unique set of skills and gifts. Thank you that no matter what my job title may be, my value in your eyes never changes. Please show me how I can best use my talents to serve you. Lord, thank you for giving me a unique place in your kingdom. Help me to remember that you have designed me for a unique purpose. Help me to be totally committed to my calling, to be patient in times of preparation and enthusiastic in times of action as I follow your plan and your timing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in every circumstance, good or bad, we can always put our trust in you. We pray that we would always be trustworthy too and that in all our actions, our faith in you will shine through and our attitudes and work ethic will help point others towards your light. Amen.